This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and my guest this week is Jason Lippert. Jason is the CEO of LCI Industries, but he has served in many positions over the last 28 years, and his first role in the company was a management trainee. Lippert combines their strategic manufacturing capabilities with the power of their winning team culture to deliver unraveled customer service, awarding winning innovation in premium products to every customer they do business with. Jason, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Nick, thanks for having me. You bet. So the one question I ask every single guest at the very beginning is, what's one thing people might not know about you? Oh, there's probably a lot of things. I'd say I really hate to lose inside and outside of business. I slept in our plants the first handful of years. I was starting the RV part of our business. Most most people don't know that. God and faith are really important part of my my business journey and my career journey. So those be a few things. Very awesome. I, I love all that. But specifically, what made you sleep in these buildings? You saw we just saw this uh, unbelievable opportunity with a lot of suppliers in the business in the area we were starting up. Um, just not paying attention. It just seemed like after we uncovered one opportunity, there was another one. And, you know, just led to, you know, building RV chassis, at, you know, in the evening at second ship. And we, you know, uh, we're always trying to fulfill new commitments and get prototypes going. So it just seemed like there was, as long as there was an hour in the day, we filled it. And that meant we had, a, you know, a handful of us left at the plants to get, get things done. And, you know, it was while we were single and uh, we had a little fun while we were doing it. So, really bonded with a handful of, you know, team members that are still with the business today. So it's very cool. Well, for those that don't know about LCI Industries, maybe give them a quick synopsis of, of who you guys are. Yeah. So today we're about five billion in revenues, at least that's what our trailing 12 reported earnings are. We're, you know, a publicly traded company in the New York Stock Exchange. We have about 15,000 team members, we're in over a hundred different facilities. In 13 countries, over 30 states, you know, we've got great teams and a great culture. We build, um, we build pri- primarily for the components for the RV industry, the marine industry, uh, the aftermarket for those two industries. We do a little bit of transportation and building products for homes, uh, residential. And we have a, a European business that builds, you know, predominantly for RV, railway, and marine. So that's kind of a short version of our our markets. I love it. So before I get into LCI and, and who you guys are, the one question I have for you is, is in the RV industry, there's probably all these little secret little places that people don't know about across the state. So maybe what's one place in North America that is this hidden gem that you've been to that people don't know about? Oh, man, there's a lot of them. I I found places we so we took our I took my family on a cross country RV trip first one we ever did that far um, what was it summer of 2020 just after COVID had hit and everybody was staying home and nobody was flying so we found places in you know Wisconsin South Dakota Montana um, 
Utah, Oregon. We found all sorts of places. But, you know, one of our favorites was uh, Bend or Bend and Sun River, Oregon. Um, that was fantastic. There's a lot of places around Big Sky that were fantastic. I love the mountains. So, uh, and the partial there, you know, never would have thought to go to the Great Salt Lake National Park um, because from a distance, it just looks like a barren, but you get across the the lake and, you know, the, the bridge over to where you can kind of explore. And it was probably the, you know, the best, best place we visited in the 12 or 13 day trip we were on. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. So bringing it back to LCI, what's your guys' purpose there? What, what, what drives you? I mean, it's changed so much over the years. I've been with the business 28 years now, but I would tell you today, and we're 10 years into a pretty significant cultural shift and culture journey. But I would say today, you know, how we talk about our purpose in business is just making business a force for good. Um, and everybody asks what that means. And, you know, to me, it means, a couple of key things. One is, as we were talking before the, the podcast, you know, uh, there's a better way to do business out there, uh, a better way to care for people while we have them 40 or 50 hours a week, uh, where they can have more fun and we can have more success um, uh, by just getting more aligned and uh, around values. Um, so teaching other businesses that, that there's a better way, that's been one of our, you know, purposes as of late. We, we established a leadership academy um, just because we had so many people through social media pinging us and calling us and saying, hey, look, we see what you're doing. We're hearing about it. It sounds amazing. Tell us, tell us more. Well, you know, some of us would have had to carve out a few hours a week to do that, to really sit down with people. So we carved out a leadership academy in 2018 that, you know, is, is mentoring businesses around, you know, how to, how to create a better culture and leadership development models in business so that we can care for our team members the right way. Uh, and have better, more, more sustainable business models. And the other thing it means to me is that when you do have a healthy, successful culture, you know, what we found is that when we're teaching, when we're really living out the values and where everybody or most people are lining up for the values where it feels real on a regular basis and it's consistent and we're going through all the leadership development and we've got resources there, people just start leading themselves better. They lead the people around them better. And then that translates to the, you know, to their homes and their families when they go home. And to me, that's where the, when we say business is a force for good, that's really where the magic happens because when we start leading our kids and our families better at, at home because they have a great experience at work and while it might be challenging and, you know, difficult sometimes, nobody's beat down or, you know, belittled or berated at, at work. They're just, uh, you know, they're just leading better at work and they lead better, lead their families better at home. And that, that example over time, I think for children, you know, is exactly what the what the world needs to, you know, get to a better place. So it's helping businesses and, you know, through helping people lead better and leading their families better at home. That's kind of kind of wraps up to me what business is a force for good needs. Yeah, I think that's it's important, you know, when it comes to customer service, somebody who does business with with a company, they call into customer service and they don't bring they bring their life with them to that mm-hmm. along with that issue. And I say oh, yeah. and the same is true with that employee. That's right. When, when they're at work, they're bringing that, their life with them, but they also bring their work back to their life, back right. to their employees and that dinner table. And it, you can see it on their face. There's my, my wife can t- see when I'm having a good day when oh. I, when I got a lot on my mind and 
there's there's things that you know I just need to talk through sometimes or that I just need a little bit of time. But how do you know when that is? And then how do you adjust to that when it from both your employees and for for the family members? Yeah. So I, I think you know that's a that's a solid point. It's it's one of those things where you know the longer you 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 drive towards values and the more real they become. Uh, the more the team members trust them, the more they're willing to work on themselves too. So it's, you know, it's been, it's been fun to watch over the last 10 years, you know, our, our team members go from kind of employees to family members. And we, you know, we, we stopped using the word employees a handful of years ago, but, you know, um, work because words matter, words matter too. So. Yeah. The, you mentioned 10 years. So from the one stat I did see, was about the company culture and it resulted in a significant decrease in turnover from mm-hmm. a 200% turnover in 2011 to a 31% in 2021. What, what happened? What, what changed or where was that shift and why did it happen? So it's been 10 years. There's, there's been a lot of, lot of changes. Um, you know, it started with, you know, me going back to the front lines, our executive leaders going back to the front lines and starting just to, just to listen. You know, we rolled out the values first. That was the first thing we did. And we said, hey, look, you know, we've never had company values before. Um, if, we, if we had some that were implied, you know, we know we didn't adhere to them all the time. So here are the new values. Uh, hold us accountable. We're going to hold you accountable. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people kicking back saying, hey, look, you know, this is just the next initiative that's going to fade away. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of reason to, you know, to, to be not trusting, I guess, because we had always proven that our, our first initiative was to win at all costs. So we kind of drew a line in the sand and said, that was yesterday. Values, these values are what's going to need to hold up tomorrow and just hold us accountable and walk with us. And as long as we do what we say, we're going to do and we follow the values, just come along with us. Don't, you know, don't throw stones. So, you know, started with values and then it was a lot of listening and it's, 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 it's been listening for 10 years, but it was really real intentional listening, saying, okay, what haven't we done right? You know, given the fact that we've, we've owned our past mistakes and all we cared about was winning uh, in the numbers. So, you know, what do we need to fix? And we went to every single facility. Uh, we, we asked that question and we got our, our team members feedback. And, and, you know, it was a lot of things like, hey, look, our, our, our bathrooms are too small. They're not clean. They're not working. Our break rooms are too small. They're not clean. They're not working. And, you know, we've grown 10x in the last 10 years, but the break rooms have stayed the same size in some of these facilities that we've grown big in. Um, you know, just cleaning and organizing the facilities. A lot of it was leadership. Hey, these people, they, they favor people. They don't treat us equally. Uh, and we said, you know, hey, look, well, we're going to follow. We're going to hold everybody accountable to values, not just our frontline team members. It's going to be the leaders. It's going to be the executives. And, you know, one of the biggest changes was, you know, executives and middle-level frontline leaders, all categories of leaders. There was a lot of people that, that had to go because they just said, hey, this is too hard. We're not going to follow the values. I'm, I'm used to doing things this way, and they're not going to change. They don't need to change. I've been successful up to this point. So, you know, it required a lot of those changes over the years, but I think just doing what we said we were going to do, whether it was following the values, cleaning the plants up, adding bathrooms, adding people to clean the bathrooms and adding microwaves and refrigerators and the break rooms, painting the break rooms, uh, just making some of the facilities, you know, more of their home away from home. Cause honestly, that's where they're spending, you know, most of their time outside of the, the house. 
and then just listening on a regular basis. So they just became accustomed to, hey, look, you know, they might not do everything we ask them to do, but we know that they're listening and we trust them. And once you have that trust, like I said earlier, you know, you can build, you know, you can build a metropolis on that. Um, you know, but, but if you don't have the trust, it's really hard to build anything. And then when you get that trust and you put a lot of these programs together and some of the creative things we did, we put leadership coaches in place. We've got 12 people there. We put personal development coaches in place. We've got about 10 people there. We've got five philanthropy people in place. We've got five health and wellness people in place. So we've added, you know, a culture department. We put real resources there, separated it from HR and, you know, I told our people, hey, look, these, these are resources to help you grow and develop personally and professionally. And as we started doing that stuff, you know, people started saying, look, I'm not ever leaving this place. I've worked in a lot of places and, you know, they they treat me this way or that way, but I've never worked in a place like this that's, that truly cares about me, that's investing in me. Yeah, did they make mistakes? Yeah, but they're doing a lot of good things and I can tell that they care about me. So they decide to stay and if they stay, then retention goes up, right? And nutrition goes down and that's how our that's how our attrition fell. And I don't, you know, I can't put the ROI to that. Um, I'd argue with a lot of people that you can't afford not to care for your people. I mean, that's just not a human thing to do. But but I would tell you that, you know, if you, if you take an average cost to train, hire, recruit, you know, thousands of people that we'd otherwise be turn, turnover at 15,000 team members and 150% turnover, just do the math. That's, you know, the ROI is pretty, pretty simple. What, there's a whole lot to unpack there, but you know, I think when it comes to, it starts with listening before you can build trust because if they feel known and valued and they hear, you hear what they're saying and you actually did something about it, if it's painting, if it's creating a better environment, if it's organization, if it's the bathrooms, then they're saying, okay, well, these guys hear me mm-hmm. and now they're wanting to build a culture and now they want to help me professionally and personally. This is now a differentiator, regardless of that next company that comes down and says, Hey, I'm going to give you an extra dollar. You want to come? That's right. And, you know, yeah, you can't measure an ROI, but I think I saw online that you guys, you know, and and it makes common sense, but the longer that they're in their role, the more they become an expert, the more they become an expert, there's going to be less mistakes. Right. Which means that there's less of that, of that. Uh, wasted cost and you're making more, more money. Yep. And so then you just double down back to the employee because they, it's important. The one thing that I did also see online was that not a whole lot of other CEOs are doing is the, these listening sessions that you have weekly with the frontline leaders. Did that also start at the beginning of the 2011 or, or when did that start? And, you know, what are you getting out of those? So, yeah, so, you know, we, we started the listening through a lot of our, our plant leaders going right to the facilities to roll all this out. And that was about five years. I kind of do the line in the sand and, you know, started looking at my calendar and where I was spending my time and realizing that I was doing a lot of things that had value, but not as much value as me going to the front lines of our business and listening to our, our team members that are building product. I mean, 98% of our team members are on the front lines in the factories, you know, building products for our customers. So, you know, I just, it was a, it was a, it was an easy decision for me. It, it came later in our culture journey, but this will be my, this will be my sixth year in October 
I've been doing at least one listening session a week. Did one earlier today with our, our Florida operation. A lot of them I can do in person because I'm, you know, we've got 30 some facilities right here in our backyard, but um, the ones I can't get to, I'll, I'll do, I'll do virtually, but yeah, I've committed to, you know, one a week and, you know, we just gather our frontline leadership that, you know, that are, we've got about a thousand people in this organization that oversee 14,000, you know, that's kind of how the numbers break down. So if those thousand people get leadership development and personal and professional growth, right. then that, that leads to the front lines of our business and, and they absorb it and they start learning, okay, well, what does leadership look like in this company? And, you know, it, it really, the telltale is that thousand, we can get it right up here in executive and top level management, but if we don't get it right in the manufacturing business on the front lines of our business, then, you know, um, you're just fooling yourself that you could ever get culture optimized. But in terms of what do we, what do, so I spent an hour and a half with these frontline leaders. And, you know, I spent about 30 minutes just casting vision and, hey, look, what are the most important things that you need to be doing as leaders in, in, in the business, on the front lines? Um, and a lot of it's the same stuff I'm asking my people around me to do, the same stuff I'm doing. Uh, so it's not like we're asking them to do a, a whole list of, you know, different things. You know, it's engagement. It's, you know, explaining new people that are coming in, why we do culture the way we do it, why it's different. And, you know, personal and professional growth plans. We call them leadership action plans. So, you know, we have a goal to get every everybody in the company to do a leadership action plan in the next couple of years. We're, we've got about 3,000 a year on the journey right now. But I, I feel that if, you know, 100% of your team members are doing personal and professional growth plans or leadership action plans, you're going to be better than the company, to your point earlier, or have a competitive advantage over the, over the company that's doing none or doing 5% of their people are doing growth plans. When I sit in those meetings and ask how many have ever done a leadership action plan or a personal and professional growth plan in a prior job on the front lines of the manufacturing, you know, what do you think the answer is? It's, it's almost zero every single time. So anyway, so we, we talk about a lot of stuff, but a lot the, the last hour, I just sit, you know, I just sit and ask any question you want. Ask about the business, ask about culture, ask about what you like, don't like about leadership development. I mean, fire away and we have really good conversations. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. And I'm guessing the more conversations you're having, the more willingness, the more willing that these frontline leaders are saying, hey, he really means it. He, he wants us to bring him everything. And so maybe there's some, some dirt that also shows up and in in the in the fine gas but they're also you have to be able to sift through that and have honest conversations and being able to humble yourself a little bit and swallow your pride as needed yep. to to drive the business forward right and you know i sit there and i say look i'm doing this because i want you to model the same type of listening for your people 
because look, they've got they've gotten to the same uh, as, a, as a leader as I have, you know, I had prior. And it's just waking people up, turning the light bulb on, making sure they realize that, hey, look, hey, you can't be too big for your britches. You don't need to make all the decisions. You don't need to do all the talking. You know, spend time, get to know your people. Our mission statement is, you know, uh, developing meaningful relationships with our team members, also our customers and our community. But first, our team members. Well, you can't develop a meaningful relationship if you're talking all the time, just barking orders, you know, on the production line. So get them engaged, get them involved, listen. And they all wake up to it as soon as they start doing it. It's just a, a habit they have to start practicing. Yeah. I mean, in one of one of your values is is about caring for caring for people. It's part of your culture. So it it kind of just runs parallel with what you're talking about today. Is there anything else you'd add about caring, the caring part? Yeah, I think, you know, that's a that's probably the toughest one for especially for leaders you know, at any level, but especially the front line. Look, when I started, I got out of school and started welding. I mean, people were throwing tape measures and weld rod as I was, you know, as I was welding. And, you know, when something didn't go right, people, the first the first immediate reaction was to scream and holler. And I don't think that's too dissimilar from what happens in today's manufacturing environment in a lot of places. But we've got to reprogram people on what leadership looks like. And uh, most of them haven't had a good example in their, you know, in their three or four or 10 jobs that they've had in the past. You know, because the truth is, is that the, the Harvard stat we always throw around that Bob Chapman always quotes is, you know, 88% of the people in the country feel like they work for a company that doesn't care about them. You know, so what does that tell you about leadership in, in business? And I would say, especially in manufacturing, because, you know, working in a, Salesforce office is different than working on a weld shop, you know, uh, factory floor. So, um, you know, I think we've got more work to do on the, the front lines of the business where people are largely, um, you know, you know, they've been in these in these types of roles for a long time, maybe graduated from high school, maybe didn't. Certainly, most of them haven't had leadership classes. So we're the ones needing to teach leadership. And that would be my message to all businesses is, you know, spend time developing your leaders, but you can't do it without adding resources. And um, that's a whole other topic, but you know, you've got to have leadership coaching and you can't throw it on HR. And HR has got enough of a role already. They've got tons of responsibility and a lot of things to do. And you can't say, hey, look, by the way, culture and leadership development, maybe the most important thing that the company is going to do. Yeah, do that too. We'll, we'll just throw that in, on top of all your other responsibilities. So that's why we believe in, in splitting it out and creating a, you know, a culture department, just like you have, I mean, you wouldn't approach sales or HR or IT without people. So why do we think we can approach culture improvement and not have people there, you know, driving that bus? This isn't, you know, counterintuitive. Yeah. I love the fact that you did pull that out. So you have professional coaches, you have, you know, a culture department. And so the, the moral of that last statement you made was either care for your people and improve your culture or wear thicker welding equipment so that people, when they do throw tape measures at you, that uh, doesn't hurt as bad. Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All said. <laughs> so, you know, the one other thing that you did was a leadership objective over the last, it was a top five leadership objective at some time was around the social responsibility initiative. Yeah. So maybe tell tell my listeners a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So this was about five years into our culture journey. And again, you know, the great thing about a journey is it's just an evolution every year. You come up with, you come up with something different to add to it, to make it a little bit better because uh, you get in there, you know, the role of doing things. And if you're freeing people's minds to create and innovate around culture, you're going to come up with great things, you know, uh, over the course of the year. So, you know, we were sitting in a strategic planning meeting going over our, our annual objectives and they're usually all financial. And one of my guys said, Hey, look, you know, we're, we're so we're into serving, you know, why don't we do something around social responsibility for one of our objectives? It's like, you know, everything else we're doing around culture uh, is not traditional. So why not make, you know, one of our five annual objectives for the business, you know, a, a social responsibility objective. So, you know, we all decided that was a good idea. We voted on it because we always come up with 10 or 12 objectives that are vote worthy. And, you know, we all vote on five and we pick the five that have the most votes. And, you know, and in this case, it received a vote. So, you know, we, we resolved to figure out what that goal would look like and what the goal would actually be after we left the meeting. And, you know, we, we did a quick math problem and said, we've got a X number of facilities and X, X people. And if, you know, would it be too hard to get everybody to volunteer two hours, knowing that some will volunteer zero and some will volunteer 10 or 12? So that's kind of what we ended up with 100,000 hours of community service. We've been doing that for five years. We keep increasing the goal a little bit every year, but it's it basically boils down to all 100 of our facilities doing, you know, three serving opportunities a year. We have five philanthropy people on staff that help the plants coordinate with the local charities so that they don't have to drop what they're doing and figure out how to build a relationship with their local, you know, uh, philanthropy and charities. Uh, organizations where they can actually do the, the the social you know responsibility work, and once once the our team gets them lined up with somebody, you know they basically call all their team members and say, hey, look, anybody that can show up, let's do this together. Bring your families, bring your kids. We're gonna you know do animals, or we're gonna you know clean up parks, or we're gonna help the elderly, or we're gonna go to the Boys and Girls Club or Big Brothers Big Sisters. I mean, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of organizations, so. And my experience with when I go out and serve with all of our, our team members around the business, you know, most, they, it's not that they don't want to serve, it's just they never knew how to get started. And, you know, that takes a little bit of courage to walk into a, a charitable organization and say, hey, I want to help. Um, some people it comes natural for, but I would argue that a lot of people, you know, um, they wouldn't know where to start. And, you know, so we, we take care of that part for everybody. And then people just show up with their coworkers, and it's, you know, it, it takes less courage to do that. But once they get there, they're like, okay, when's the next one? And never talk to somebody that said, you know, hey, that was awful. I'm never doing another one. They're thankful that they brought their kids along and their kids are now serving at an age that, you know, they might be doing their first serving event at 28 or 35. And, you know, they're bringing their kids along at seven, eight, 12, 15 years old, and that's their first one. And they're just getting, you know, again, this business is a force for good. We're, we're building a better society by doing some of these things that only I think the business has the, the numbers and the power to do. Yeah. 400, 500,000 hours of community services. It's just not a number to, I mean, it's, it's very impressive because these little, little bit of time that each person puts into it is the micro moments or the micro hours that that add up to the impact to the community and any organization can cut a check 
Yes. To and it's getting your hands dirty and getting involved in the community to impact the community that you're in. And the way that I've also been, I've heard it as well is the people that actually give back to a, a senior or or a, a part a dog shelter or whatever it is. It's they get more out of it than the than the people that they're serving. Hundred percent. They that's another thing that they always say. You know, yeah. And and again. You know, whether it's culture and leadership development and the caring for people in the workplace or whether it's, you know, philanthropy doing it as a team, it's just engaging people's hearts and minds. And then manufacturing, all we think about is just, get, you know, get their hands moving and their bodies moving and we forget about the heads and the hearts, but that's the most important part. So um, great things happen once we, once we do that, but most businesses are thinking numbers, 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 and then people come backseat, you know. Yeah, it's like it's like trying to drive an airplane and just looking at the dashboard. Yeah, right. It's if you're not looking out up and out past your perspective, you're like, okay, well, there is a community out there that needs my help. There is there is actually the hearts of of our employees that need need a little love and care and right. uh, just a different perspective. But if you have your horse blinders on the entire time and don't look left or li- right, you just right. you don't see what's in your blind spot. That's right. So. I love it. So uh, two questions I ask every single guest at the very end is, first one is, what book or person in customer service or customer experience has influenced you the most in the past year? I would say customer service. I, I mean, I love the customer service revolution. I've, I've probably had hundreds of my team members because it doesn't matter whether you're on the OEM side or whether you're on the retail side or, or serving dealers and in our network. Um, you know, there's a, there's a different and a better way to... Uh, do customer service and kind of maybe what what traditionally we have done. So it's that's been a, a good read, and it's since we've since morphed into developing our own customer experience department. So you know, we've got a call center with uh, about 150 people, and you know we're always taking incoming calls. We answer about 100,000 calls and emails and chats a month, and you know uh, we're we're always getting those inbound calls, and it's always hey, I got this problem, or I got this challenge, or this opportunity. We're always fixing and reacting. So our customer experience department that's got about 16 people now, it's it's about how do we go out and meet the customer where they're at and their journey with our products or our customers' products and, and figure out how we can help and, and make the experience even better. Um, so we've been experimenting that with that since April of 2020 and you know done some really cool stuff and innovated and doing some things I think that not a lot of customers are. So that just reading that one book, you know, has helped us think. A lot differently about you know the evolution of customer service and you know maybe there needs to be a customer experience department too because customer service implies you know just a lot of reacting yeah usually the way that it's been said to me and is is customer service happens when customer experience breaks mm-hmm. and so how do you creating that experience and like you said in customer service how do you meeting them on the channel of their choice and reducing the effort in that in that and, and making them feel known and valued and appreciate and respect their time. And the same is true on the employee side. Yeah. You don't want to create a, a bad, a bad experience for them internally. And you want to make sure that you take care of them professionally and personally. And it goes back to, to caring and leadership and creating a professional action plan. And yeah. You said it like an intentional relationship. You know, it's hard to develop a relationship when somebody's calling you ticked off because they need to go camping and their products don't work. But when you go out and meet them while they're camping, 
you know, you can start to work on that relationship. And from the relationship, just like with our team members, we can we can build something great off that. But it's hard to build something great off of somebody who's, you know, on the phone ticked off because they can't get a, a part to work. Right. Yep. It's not only, it's not just about the part right. is, is, is the issue. It's, it's what does that impact mm-hmm. and how do you hear them out? So I love that. Uh, the second question I get, got is if you could leave a note to all customer service professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8 a.m. What would it say? Oh, customer service. Customer service. Yep. I would, I would say, you know, uh, double the amount of people you, you reach out to today. Um, you know, uh, get feedback, listen, you know, take a little bit of time and call somebody and, and listen. And I, you know, a lot of times you might say, no, everything's good. And it's like, no, I, I want, I want you to think of something that, that would be helpful to us, that it, whether it's an innovative new idea or just something we, we think we can improve on. Uh, because I think a lot of times, you know, in customer service, we tend to ask if everything's okay. And we get the, we get the nod, everything's okay. And we're done. And I just think that there's always more beneath the surface, but you got to dig a little bit and, you know, uh, get intentional in that respect. But um, I just love, I would also leave them a note to just, hey, how can we innovate? How can we do things differently? Because I think that there's a whole trail to blaze in customer experience that hasn't been uncovered yet, but but to blaze a trail, you, we got to start doing things differently than what's been done traditionally. So, you know, what new ideas can we we develop to, you know, get out there and, you know, impact the customer's experience in a different way. Those would be a couple of things. Very good. That's awesome. Well, when it comes to my listeners, if they want to learn more about Lippert or um, LCI Industries or or yourself, what's the best way for them to, to connect? Yeah, so I would say, you know, a couple of things. Um, you know, our, our, our website is LCI1, the numeral one.com. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, look up the uh, Lippert Academy for Leadership, or Lippert Leadership Academy. Uh, we've got a lot of helpful stuff there and ways to engage our, our team that we set aside there to help businesses, you know, maybe take a culture journey or maybe pivot on a culture journey. And, you know, we've, we've created a culture playbook that, you know, when people engage us, we, we share that with them because that we've documented that 10 year journey and all the little bumps and bruises and, you know, twists and turns in the road and things that we did that worked really well, things that we did that, you know, didn't work really well, uh, but kind of charted that journey out through through 10 years. And I think everybody eventually experiences some of those same things. But through our Academy for Leadership, we, you know, um, we kind of coach and mentor businesses to how do they develop their cultures, take those next steps that they might not know where to go or or leadership development. We, we go and we help coach companies that don't have an internal leadership development coach or, or director. But my first piece of advice to a lot of these companies is hire somebody, find somebody, you know, there's a pastor out there. There's a coach out there. There's, there's people that just have a passion for growing people and developing people. Those are the kind of people you need to put in those positions. And ultimately those types of move will move the needle on caring for your team members. And again, it just, Putting, having a position for leadership development or culture shows your team members in the business that, hey, we, we, we care about our people. If we didn't care about our people, we wouldn't be, you know, dedicating resources like this to help our people grow. So it's great. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for your time and the value that you're bringing and 
uh, continuing to innovate and, and love on your people. So I appreciate your time. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing this episode with them. And last, if you would like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, you can go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Press One for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.